Welcome to Ladies Who Launch, not your average business podcast. Dropping every other Wednesday, Alyssa and Dakota are two successful and opinionated marketing entrepreneurs engaging in insightful conversations with industry thought leaders, as well as casual conversations surrounding our lives as entrepreneurs. Welcome back to another episode of Ladies Who Launch. And we are now in our post 100 episode era. I don't know. Are we fancy now? Is this what that means? Episode 101? I feel like like it gives us a whole nother level of clout personally. This is Ladies Who Launch 2.0. Welcome. Welcome to Ladies Who Launch 2.0. No, honestly, guys, nothing's really changed too terribly much. Aside Um, from we just have massively big heads right now. Like, it's all weird. We have sashes made and crowns. And yeah, we like walk around and tell everyone. But our 100th episode, yeah, we. We totally, I don't think I've told anybody. (laughs) No, me either. I don't think anybody knows. But no, honestly, it it is still a bit of a mind fuck that we've done a hundred episodes it's like where did that time even go um uh, and that we were both four years older than when this that, started, i think is even scarier right like where, what happened there totally the little podcast that could is uh is, is is changing and evolving um in all seriousness though Alyssa and i had a little bit of a podcast meeting last week and we are going to be adopting some fancy new software to record our podcasts um, remotely. And then we're also going to be applying a bit of a different schedule. Um, thanks to your guys' amazing feedback, we're going to be doing a lot more solo episodes, but we still are going to have a guest probably once a month moving forward. Yeah, I think we have discovered that... Well, first of all, it's... For anyone who's who's ever tried to schedule interviews and, and things like with people for in media and things like that it's like herding cats and so sometimes for us it's like more of a headache than anything just trying to schedule people in for interviews so we have specific times that we like to record because it works for our schedule and sometimes trying to get trying to have guests adapt to that is difficult so um while we yes obviously still want to do have bring in people who are thought leaders and experts in having great discussions um our, our grandiose idea of having at least two guests a month, um, I think got hunted because it's so hard to organize. And honestly, like Dakota said, your feedback has basically shown us that you like us as the two of us and you find us talking, being like talking to your friends or listening to your friends. So I think uh, that alleviated a lot of our fears that nobody actually wanted to listen to or hear from us. Um, and you do. So here exactly. we are. Exactly. We, we kind of want to be your, we want to be your guys's besties first and foremost. Um, but of course we, we can't talk about everything. So having guests every now and again is, is important to us as well. Yeah. Well, for our 101st episode, I think we are going to take a little bit of a, um, pulling from the current events situation as to what's happening in, in the world of news media that's sort of been going on in the last few weeks, specifically here in Canada. I know this is a worldwide issue with the dismantling of newsrooms and um, the sort of 
corporification of news media around the world where very few corporations own many, many, many um, outlets and and the the issues around that. But in Canada, just uh, these past few weeks that we were recording this um, on February 12th, but in the past few week or so, uh, Bell Media just laid off um, thousands of journalists across Canada and closed, uh, sold off, I guess, many of their radio stations across Canada. And um, it's just one in a long line of media layoffs and sort of the, the yeah, the, the breaking down of the media landscape. And especially in a, in a country like Canada, um, where it's so vast, our country is so massive, that for a lot of people who who don't live in major urban centers, um, the radio in particular, um, the local radio is their lifeline to what is happening in not only Canada, but the world. And so when those things start to go away, it causes mass, mass problems in a country of this size when you're not, we, we forget sometimes that not everybody in this country lives in an urban center. There's a great number of people who live in the far north that this also affects um, more so than us. So that's what, kind of what we wanted to talk about today in terms of how we see not only just the news media landscape, but um, Dakota is also going to talk about where social media is going um, from that media perspective and sharing news and um, information on social. So um, I think for right now, like Dakota, what were, what were your first thoughts when you when you saw the big bell layoff, bell layoff and sell-off notice last week? Thank you for asking because I do have some opinions here. Um, so first and foremost, I want to preface this by saying that change is never easy. Um, and a lot of us don't like change, mm-hmm. um, but it's inevitable and it has to happen in order for growth to take place. Um, so in terms of the news with CTV, I would say I understand why it's happening. Um, but at the same time, I am a little discouraged when I see news outlets that have been in my life since I was a kid. And also just the landscape that we work in is P- as PR and marketing professionals being slowly dismantled. And the reason it bugs me is because it's it's as though nobody wants to support traditional media anymore. But they fail to recognize that traditional media is, for the most part, where we get good, valid, true news stories about people just like them, just like us, right? So I think it bugs me more than anything else when like a smaller outlet gets kiboshed. CTV, like I get it. They're a big corporate giant. Bell Media, big corporate giant. Um... So like, as much as it pains me, you know, that like really good reporters and journalists are now without a job potentially, and certain shows that I really used to enjoy pitching to or used to be a thing are now going to be a thing of the past. That's definitely upsetting to me. um, And it definitely makes the job of some of my peers really difficult, which in, in turn impacts their business as well. So really, I think from like a personal standpoint, that's where it bugs me. And I also do truly believe that, you know, good media outlets, like really good media outlets, see CBC News. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they're all about 
getting the voice of many and putting it together in a story and making sure that every angle inside is heard. Um, They're all about supporting their community for the most part. I'm not saying they're always amazing. Sometimes they report really shitty news. Like, I don't know. But all I'm saying is I think news outlets are important. And what really scares me is this idea that the only place eventually that we'll be getting our news is either from like, let's say an Elon Musk style human being decides to buy up the two remaining outlets that are managing all the other outlets. I'm a little nervous about where this is going. I don't mean to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I am nervous about who's going to be controlling the the bigger picture moving forward. And to, to think about like relying on social media to get my news. And we here in Canada can't even see certain news items on Facebook because Facebook's in a war with our, um, with our prevent, uh, with our sort of, sorry, our uh, federal government. Um, it just, it just upsets me to think about, well, where the hell are we even getting our news and who's controlling it? And, and is it even real anymore? I think that's where I go. And so it's like, what can we do to start some grassroots organizations to support this so that we're not only just getting everything off of social media? Um, and like, at what point is the community going to step up and support the remaining guys that are still in the game so that we can have this, so that we can have the media outlets that look after us right back. I think that's kind of my position on this. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's, I think we've already seen the, the, uh, the outcomes of having um, very um, politically sided news conglomerates start to take over with a, very particular eye on things. If you look at like Fox News in the States and you look at like the dumpster fire that Elon Musk has turned Twitter into, it'll never be X. I'm like, I don't even understand that. Um, that they have a very specific political edge um, to that. And you look at um, in this country with like rebel news and all these sort of like very, very clearly defined um, narrative media that people are now going to because the traditional um, unbiased, quote unquote, um, media is disappearing. And then that just creates like your crazy aunt on Facebook sharing memes about like just crazy nonsense that they believe is true. So we've sort of created our own mess in the fact of um the general public, and we all have to take responsibility for this because we don't want to pay for news. We just full stop don't. Like mm-hmm. how many of us are currently subscribing to the Globe and Mail right now? I would say very few. How many of us have listened to commercial radio? And you can't count CBC radio because it's not commercial radio, but commercial radio in like the past 12 months, I would bet it's very small. And so we as a society have decided we don't want to pay for news. It should be it should just come to us. Whereas like these, these entities and journalists still deserve to make money. And so that's kind of where the fight between meta and the government is coming in. Cause the government's like, we want you to pay. If you're going to share news from these journalists on your site, you need to pay them because you're getting all the benefit, but you're not paying them. Like there's, there's nuances that are 
not mm-hmm. good in that whole thing. And there's, but, but generally we as a society have decided we don't want to pay for news and we want news to tell us what we believe. So that's why people get sucked into like places like Fox news or rebel news or whatever, because they want people to tell them what, like they want them. It's confirmation bias, right? You, they want people to tell them what they believe already and to confirm what they believe is true. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a, just a, it's a, it's a, it's a cycle of our own, um, need to feel that we're right all the time. So therefore, if we feel that, well, and and in the, in the age of Donald Trump, everything is fake news anyway. Right. So if everyone believes that traditional media outlets like CNN or whatever are all fake news, CTV and otherwise, like, I mean, it was all across social media when Bell did all their cuts, like all the, like, crazy nutters on social media saying like, oh, it's all fake news anyway. It's good. Like burn them to the ground and blah, blah, blah. It's like, great, Cletus. Like, I get that you get your news from like your, your uncle toot toots, like Facebook memes, but that is an actual reality. And so I think a lot of society currently is not living in reality, but the fact is that like, we don't support it. I can't stand paywalls, like as just as a consumer me who works in PR and understands how this all works. If I get hit by a paywall on a news story on social media, it immediately makes me angry. And not because I don't think that I should be paying for that because I should, but media, the the outlets haven't kept up to the times and the fact of like, why do I have to pay for a full subscription to a publication? Why can't I, like, if I, if I get hit by a paywall, and I really want to read that article. I should be able to just cl- click buy article and it goes to my like Apple pay or whatever. And that article is like a dollar 50 or two bucks or whatever it is. So I can have that article, but it's like that they can't seem to make that connection. It's like, I would buy that because if it meant something, then I'm like, I'm not going to go through the rigmarole of going through and paying for an entire open mail subscription to read that article, but I would pay whatever the market rate for an article would be. I don't know. And it's done. And then it pops up on my screen. So it's like, on one hand, media has sort of not kept up with the times in terms of they can't figure out how to do really good digital, like their, their websites and digital are awful. Um, And they've sort of turned into, um, and then it's sort of turned journalist into being just the first to tweet about it. Not that it's right. You know what I mean? So the journalists sort of turn into their own enemies of like, I just need to get the story out. I don't know if it's all right, but like, we'll go figure it out later. And like, if we have to, so it's like both sides of this have created their own problem. And quite honestly, I don't know that there's any going back from any of this because um, who's going to, like, I mean, the only people who can step up to support any of this are the Jeff or the Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk's of the world. And they already own media companies. So it's like, where's the white knight that's going to ride in and like save us from ourselves basically. But that, and that I don't know. And I think it's funny. um, A friend and I were having this conversation a while ago. We're like, what are like, I, it's shocking to me. There's still journalism class. Like you can become a journalist at, at university still, because what are they teaching them? Like mm. if you're a, if you're a second year journalism student right now, what are you being taught in your classes? Like, and what are you being told that you can do when you graduate? 
because it certainly isn't working in a newsroom. Mm. That is really interesting. Um, going back to your paywall comment, uh, I constantly read the New Yorker for mm-hmm. many reasons because it's a fabulous, it's a great magazine. Yeah. But yeah, when I get hit with that paywall, like even then, like I've subscribed a few times, but like this year in particular, I was reading something a month ago and then I was just like, well, fuck, like, no, I'm not going to pay for the whole subscription. Same with Cosmo the other day. I haven't picked up a Cosmo in how long, but Cosmo also, like you can't fucking read through articles without getting hit with a paywall now. And you also think about when you're in the grocery store, it's, it's hilarious. Like a Cosmo used to be five bucks. It's like 20 now. I know. It's just bizarre. And I think, and I, I mean, and going back to sort of the logistics, I totally feel for people losing their jobs. Like there is no doubt, like being a journalist now and being out of work just seems synonymous and there's nothing good to come of that. Um, and I don't know. Um, we don't need to get into this in this episode, but I've ranted about this before about all these laid off journalists, like waltzing into communications jobs, like as though communications and journalism are the same thing. So excuse me as a professional communicator, that's going to see slews of journalists now applying for comms jobs because they're all out of work. When we all know for certain, there is not a single comms person that would ever get hired in a newsroom ever. (laughs) <laughs> and so the disconnect of that really makes me ragey because it's like journalism and communications are not the same. Journalists can argue about it all they want, but it's not like they're not the same. And I mean, if journalists want to go back to school and take PR or um, comms, like more power to you, like awesome. Like, I think it's great to have people who know how to write in communications, but um, that isn't what being a communicator is. And so um, that's sort of my gist, my pet peeve about this too. When you have massive journalism layoffs, it's like, oh, suddenly they're popping up as the director of media relations from some organization. It's like, how on earth are you qualified for that? Like, mm-hmm. you're not. So that's also the double-edged sword of this is that we in comms end up fighting against former journalists for roles. And that isn't how it should be either. This is fair. This is very fair. So I will- I think Alyssa summed it up, but what I'd kind of like to get into now is how do you protect yourself as a business um, against all of the things that are going down in, in terms of regulation? So the other thing that's happening right now, and again, I understand why, um, is in Canada in particular, there are going to be some regulations happening and they're already happening that if you have a certain amount of followers on your podcast or your or your your entity that you are running on social media, um, it is gonna you're gonna have to sort of apply for like a hey like a business essentially like yeah. this is what this is what I'm doing this is what the purpose is this is who I'm catering to here are my stakeholders and essentially um, the government will be watching. Yeah, I don't actually, I don't know enough about any of that, but I think it's more to do with advertising sales or something. It is, yeah, it is. All these big podcasts that are bringing in all this ad revenue, and it's usually from the states that aren't privy. I don't know how it all works, but I think it's more to do with advertising. It's a lot of things too, like, and then on social media in particular, and this has been a thing for for some time. Obviously, Instagram is becoming more regulated as, and so is TikTok in terms of branded collaborations. 
and advertising. And there are some, there's some de- definitely some hoop jumping with what you can and cannot post. Um, so for all of our friends out there who might be, you know, like chatting about things that like for the, for the people that are a little divisive um, and, and I'm trying to say this eloquently for the people <laughs> that, that want to talk about, you know, how the vaccine wasn't a thing, like whatever um, <clears throat> you do have to be really careful about what you're doing online. And, and I think that this is true of every kind of business owner, no matter what you're selling, no matter what you're doing. Um, there's a couple of things moving forward that I think you have to be really smart about if you're going to use social media or a podcast as your main conduit of connecting with your audience. And that is that number one, you should have multiple social media accounts because there's always, always, always a chance that you could get completely and utterly shut down. I've seen this happen to people that aren't even talking about content that is, um, controversial. uh, Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I I've, I've seen a comp, a comedian that I follow get shut down because (laughs) she posted like a funny outfit that was deemed too sexual. So like there are certain things that really piss me off about social media, like with women in particular, um, you know, if there's, if there's a post that Instagram, like a boudoir post that Instagram deems too sexual or over-sexualized, then that person's account can get shut down. Um, but then of course, like, you know, you want to make sure you're not falling out of line with community standards and things like that. You got to be careful if you're growing your account, don't follow too many people every single day. Cause Instagram will think you're a bot and they'll shut you down for that too. So I think moving forward, if you're growing your, your, if your mainstream of revenue is happening on social media, which a lot of business owners, it is, um, you need to potentially have either two accounts or a really strong mailing list or both just to make sure you can still reach your audience if something happens to your Instagram account. So basically what I'm saying is with the way the world is going, don't just rely on one stream of consciousness within your stakeholder audience um, on social media to, to, get your, to get your message out. Make sure you've got multiple streams um, of connection going. Whether yeah, it's a... a- business and a, and a mailing list or you know even having something off the side of your desk personally yeah and to sort of jump off from that too I always tell my clients that they need to own as much of their content as they can because I don't think a lot of business owners especially small business owners or startups don't quite understand that the minute it's posted to Facebook or to Instagram or whatever they own it So you don't really have any claim to your content anymore. So like hosting it, having like it on your web and like doing podcasts, anything that you own that you can't, like someone then can't shut down or then can't just like take it and post it on a billboard, Um, especially images and stuff. Like people don't understand that like Instagram owns all your images. They can, you could show up on a billboard tomorrow and you have no recourse about it. So, and same with Canva, like anything you design in Canva, Canva owns. So it's like figuring out those ways, like even a mailing list, like, yes, you may have, you may upload it into MailChimp or Constant Contact or any, any one of those um, software programs, but the list is still yours. So you should still house that list on an Excel spreadsheet or a Google sheet on your own system. And as people are added, they go on that sheet so that they don't, 
go away if 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 your Mailchimp or Constant Contact account gets locked or or taken away. So anything like that that you write, that you create, that you that you have cultivated, like your email list or any of that, you need to ensure that you have a place that it's owned in your own ecosphere. Um, so even for social media, like um, for people who are like Dakota, who does um, um, content calendars every month, well, that content calendar belongs to you or belongs to your client. So ensuring that those content calendars stay separate from what's posted. So that you can always go back and you can have those at your disposal. So like some people I know will just like post a caption with their Instagram photo and not think anything of it. It's like, no, that caption now is owned by Instagram and that can go away at any time. So make sure you have that caption in a content calendar somewhere that is owned by you. So I think that's the biggest thing with, with business and sort of even personal on with your own content is that ensuring that you have it in your own hands that's separate from where you post it or where you distribute it to. Because I think that's that's going to be a key thing moving forward. Because if you look at the changing landscape of media, I mean, look at um, a lot of journalists now um, are moving to Substack because on Substack, they can charge um, for... Um, access to their content. So if they write a weekly blog or they write a weekly newsletter, you can subscribe to that. So if you're if you're a PR person and you're looking to pitch journalists, well, sending out news releases to newsrooms anymore is pretty ineffectual. But you can utilize places like Substack or even um, Twitter to follow journalists and pitch to them directly because most of a lot of them are now freelance or they're posting and owning their own content on other platforms that are not going to go through that same sort of pitching system that we've all been used to for the last 20 years of media. So um, if you are in business, obviously owning your stuff, but also creating relationships with um, those, I'm going to sneeze. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. Um, creating relationships with those particular journalists or content creators that align with your brand. Um, I think that's going to be the way we sort of have to navigate this changing um, landscape of traditional media outlets. Because I mean, as a city of Calgary now, as of, I don't know, the end of March or I don't know what the deadline was, there is no new, new newscast in Calgary anymore that will not be. And there's no weekend newscasts anymore. And I will say as a PR person, those weekend morning shows were great places to get guests on because they were always looking for last minute replacements to people who didn't show up and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's all gone now. And same with like those, the, the, the lunch or the noon hour shows are because they're much more casual than a traditional six o'clock news they were great places to pitch for for your um, for guests as well because they would be able to bring in like lifestyle interviews and that kind of thing. So those two things are immediately taken away from all PR people like across Canada. I think aside from just Toronto that will still have their noon and weekend casts, but it's like so as a as a PR profession, we sort of have to rethink what we're doing um, in this landscape and how we can change. Um, this sort of earned media area for our clients moving forward, because it's just getting on um, 
getting on the global morning show or, or I guess it would be CTV more is just not ever going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was hard enough before it's been hard to get local community coverage for the, I would say the past five or six years on any local Calgary stations. Um, and now it's basically going to be a non-entity. Yeah. So in terms of that's another thing to take into consideration is your strategy for getting yourself out there or working with a PR professional. It's, it's now the responsibility of the people who are using PR as a tactic to pivot and understand how to harness this new landscape. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, I think, I mean, we've all known this, I mean, this has been sort of happening for the oh, past yeah. decade in fits and spurts, but I think now we've sort of hit a pivot pivot point of like, yeah, it's all going to crumble now, like faster than anything. Like they're like, it's sort of hit, it's sort of come in dribs and drabs over the past six, seven years, but now it's just all going to come crashing down because there isn't, there's anything supporting it anymore. Like they've taken away all of the, like the, whatever last remaining foundations might've been there to hold the whole, those those are gone. So yeah, it's, I think there's going to be a lot of soul searching, not just from journalist perspective who are now out of work, which is awful, but there's a lot of soul searching from PR people in terms of how we as PR people um, move forward because our, what we do is no longer cut and dry. Yeah. And now having to explain to clients that like, sorry, getting on a morning show just isn't, it's not in the cards. Because they don't exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I think that just setting your business up with all of these things in mind is really smart. Um, And just having sort of exit strategy, like not exit strategies, but uh, strat like plan A, plan B essentially, uh, for the way that you share content will be hugely important moving forward. So as I mentioned, having multiple ways that you can reach out to your stakeholders. And as Alyssa was saying, making sure that you still own your content will be really important. Yeah. I don't think enough people think about that because even with this podcast with ladies who launch, I mean, it was an outlet for Dakota and I to generate content for our own brands as business people, but our personal brands as well. Um, and yes, even though it's uploaded to Spotify and Apple, the the recordings and the content belong to us. Like they exist in a Google Drive that is owned by us. So if if Spotify and Apple ever went away tomorrow, we have 101 episodes. And I don't even know how many hours that is. We should ask Alex how many hours of content we have that we own that we can now pull from for any particular reason, because it doesn't like Apple and Spotify aren't the, the nucleus of why we exist. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what we would recommend for. Yeah. Yeah. And go support a local journalist, like go subscribe to some sub stacks for writers that you really like. Um, Follow yeah. great journalists on social who are still trying to like do yeoman's work with nothing. Like, I mean, we've seen it through this, the Israeli Israeli Palestinian situation where Palestinian, I mean, 
more journalists have been killed in that conflict than any journalist in the history of any conflict ever. But the Palestinian journalists who literally have nothing are getting out this news because they know it's important. And so you following them on their social feeds and their sub stacks and all of that is super important. So, um, well, yes, none of this is good. It's not good for society in how fractured the media landscape is becoming and that it's basically pushing people into like conspiracy rabbit holes where, where they get their information from. Um, it also can lead to great things where stellar writers and stellar journalists can start pushing themselves as a brand and we can support, start supporting them directly as opposed to putting our money to a corporate conglomerate. So exactly, it's just, we just start to have to shift how we're thinking about what media or what a journalist is. Mm-hmm. Um, a journalist isn't necessarily someone who works in a CTV newsroom. It's someone who's producing incredible content that they are pushing out themselves um, because they feel that what they they need to show what's happening. So I think um, that's also um, something we need to be cognizant of as consumers of media as well. Exactly. And I'll, I'll kind of, we'll leave you guys with this, I think in terms of getting it in your head and in a new mindset, traditional media is becoming a thing of the past and content creators are becoming a thing of the future. So journalists who are getting laid off to Alyssa's point are now becoming content creators. Um, and so and they are going to make their money by way of applications like Substack and creating really fantastic social channels that um, have content that's that's really, you know, hopefully going to resonate with their audiences. So just kind of doing your due diligence to support the people that you really love getting your news from will be important moving forward. Exactly. And... Uh... Long live storytelling. I mean, that's really what this all comes down to, right? Yes, a hundred percent, hundred percent stories. Let's so, not give all of the power to yeah to the eye in the sky. The billionaires don't need any more more power. Um, let's in in our most uh, you know, like protesting voices. Let's take back the power, people. And uh, yeah, I am see. interested to see where this goes, though. Like, it's it's uncomfortable, yeah. sure. But I'm I'm interested to see where it goes. It's almost like a coup d'état within the media industry. <laughs> like it's it's interesting. Yeah, I mean i I would also like to know, like where so these corporations like a Bell or whatever. Um, what is what is their ultimate goal as a corporation? Obviously, um, if you don't have news or news programming anymore and you're strictly an entertainment um entity like tv shows or whatever um how is that sustainable because even from that perspective if you don't want to be in the news business anymore and you want to be in entertainment it's like no one's watching ctv for sitcoms anymore i mean we're all on apple and amazon prime and netflix now. so i'm like i don't even know like corporately what their future objectives are because it seems to me that a lot of these entities all they really had was their local news like 
That's really all that's keeping them like, yes, I know news is expensive to produce, but it's like, well, what's the cost of then buying a bunch of American TV shows to show on Canadian? I, I don't know. The whole thing seems bizarre. Like I would love to, I would fast their CEOs. Like what, so what is your, what's the end game here with any of this? Yeah. Agreed. I wonder if we could get a guest on to talk about it. <laughs> uh, let's pitch ourselves to the CEO bell. Do it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know who that person knows. is though. But yeah, like really if someone in like high up in a major media conglomerate, like really wants to, wants to explain like yeah. what's, I mean, is the purpose just to have Toronto and Vancouver as like news outlets? I don't really, I, yeah, because I'm sorry, but TV production and TV shows and whatever is not, that's yeah. not a sustainable business model. So I don't, yeah. No. It's this not. is why I don't get paid $20 million a year, clearly. Yeah, well, thank God, because you'd have no life. <laughs> Imagine, like, being a soul-sucking media CEO. Oh, God. No, I wouldn't want to be a soul-sucking CEO for anything. No, I'd rather go live on the alpaca farm. Well, the and alpaca sh- farm is waiting for us. We just haven't found the location yet, because clearly, that is the future. Alpaca farming. One thing I want to just quickly touch on before we let everybody go, uh, something that is so wild to me, just about me as a person and Alyssa as a person. Well, Alyssa's kind of always been on the same path. I feel like she kind of has always been smart in her head about like what's important, but it's just so interesting. Like 10 years ago, Dakota versus Dakota today, um, just the dichotomy of who the people that I, the person I was and the person I am and how the things that I once thought were very important to me, I could just care less about these days. And I just, I genuinely just want like an easier, less stressful life. (laughs) Like I just, I used to want to, you know, like I used to want all these big, crazy things. And it's not to say that I don't, um, like, I think I'd be bored, you know, if I didn't have multiple things on the go, I, I think I'd be bored if I wasn't, you know, doing something for myself. But at the same time, it's just interesting that, you know, years ago I thought, oh, well, yeah, maybe one day I could be a CEO. And that is the last fucking thing that I want. And I don't consider that even, I don't even consider myself to be that within my own business. Like I actually really despise the letters CEO. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know a couple of really good ones. Thankfully, I actually get to work with one of them. And she's pretty amazing. But otherwise, like, yeah. I would never want to be responsible for all of that. And like, unless it was yeah. for... Yeah, like just, I would rather like get eaten or like get stung by a million bees than yeah. ever have to lay off thousands of people. Like I don't even know as a human how you just like get up and go about your day after that. Like I just the whole disconnect of humanity and corporate corporate versus humanity is just it's an astonishing thing to me and I just don't and it and and to see like the amount of people like I shouldn't like talk about online cuz social media whatever but the amount of people who are like literally bootlicking for corporations like after this big layoff and you could see them all online like like saying oh loser journalists and blah 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 and it's like on what planet like where have we gotten in society that people are cheering on corporations i just i don't know what has happened to us as society but i totally agree i'm like i can't i mean i i don't understand how people get like you lay off thousands of people and just get up and go to work the next day. The whole thing is bizarre. The whole 
mind process of any of that is just beyond my comprehension of and yet it happens all the time all the time like in the oil and gas industry for example like yeah I can't imagine how hard it is right now to be working in any sort of employee situation like the the amount of work that's required the stagnant wages like nobody's making like I just the whole thing I mean and not that I want to just like could grieve. Like, I mean, I guess if you're laid off, at least you get some sort of severance package and you can survive for a little bit. But I I truly don't. I mean, that's a whole other episode. It's just our crumbling society as a whole and late stage capitalism. And like, yeah, we could do a whole episode. That is another episode. <laughs> yeah, that is a whole thing. But yeah, just to all but the great journalists, like- I mean, to all the great journalists we've worked with over the years, and there's tons of them in this city that, um, got laid off like I don't want to be all like Pollyanna but seriously there's bigger and better things I think um the skill sets that journalists have um can equate in many different realms and things and so um yeah it's super shitty and none of this should be happening but um reinvention like we've all reinvented ourselves sometimes that's what you need but um yeah, it's not the best way to have to reinvent yourself. But no, we've we have all like those of us that have worked in um, media in the city for decades um, have not like I have nothing but great things to say about everyone that I have worked with in this yeah. city um, in the media sphere. And um, yeah, I know all of them are gonna come out on the other side better people in whatever shitty way this has to take. Exactly. And with that, that downer note, (laughs) see you next time on Ladies Who Lunch. Thank you for listening to Ladies Who Launch. Join Dakota and Alyssa every second Wednesday for more conversations and interesting guests. Be sure to give us a five-star rating and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. If you send us a question, we may answer it on a future episode. 